Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Leeds Library, the Leeds Library's podcast series in which we talk to members of our extended community about their lives, their work, and their relationship to books, libraries, and literature. Founded in 1768, the Leeds Library is the oldest surviving subscription library in the UK, and throughout this series we'll also be diving periodically into the library's rich history to find out what makes us and our members one of the most interesting and unique cultural institutions in Leeds and the UK. I'm Molly McGrath, the Project's Assistant at the Leeds Library, and today our guest is author Francis Brodie. Francis is an author and playwright who was born and currently lives in Leeds. She has worked in and borrowed from many libraries on both sides of the Atlantic, written radio plays and published many novels, including the Kate Shackleton 1920s mystery series, which so far spans over 12 volumes, one of which is set here in the Leeds Library. Frances has also been shortlisted for the Mystery Writers of America Mary Higgins Clark Award and received at the HarperCollins Elizabeth Elgin Award, and she is a member of the Writers Guild Society of Authors and Sisters in Crime. Francis, welcome. Thank you so much for Thank agreeing you. to be on the podcast. Um, so you've, you've borrowed from and worked in some wonderful libraries throughout your life. You emailed me a list, which I was extremely envious of, actually, the amazing places that you've got to work in. Um, so I thought I would use them to structure this conversation roughly chronologically, um, your life in libraries. That's how you put it. Um, you were born in Leeds and you mentioned to me that your family's first library was Sheepscar Library, although you were too young to remember it much. The former Sheepscar Library was opened in 1938 and then closed in 1975 and until 2012 it was used by the West Yorkshire Archive Service before being handed back to Leeds City Council in 2012. So, guess um, my first question is, can you tell me a little bit about growing up in Leeds and how do you think being from Yorkshire has influenced you as a person and also a writer. Yes, I will. And I'll just add one other organisation that I belong to as well, mm. which is Murderish Schwestern, the German writers' organisation. Okay. So I, I'm a murderous sister when I go oh. to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, we, we were quite close to um, Sheepska Library. I, we lived on Valley Street in... In a, in a small house, a, a two up, two down. And my brothers and sisters remembered it, but uh, I didn't until... And so my first introduction was when I went back to do the research mm. for the Silverdale book for the 100th anniversary of the Sil- Silverdale holiday camp, which was started by doctors in Leeds who were very concerned about the poor health of, ch- of working-class children. Mm. And the Lady Maris was always the uh, patron of of the organisation. And it was a great pleasure to go there and look at the records because they kept such really good records. They knew how to take minutes. Mm. They knew how to write clearly. And so it was, it was a joy to be there and also see all of the photographs that were there. Mm. Uh, and I had a, a friend that I was working with at the time I was t- uh, teaching and she came along with me and took photographs of the photographs so we were able to put them all in, in the book. And you, so yeah, you in 2004 wrote a centenary book to, to celebrate yes. the holiday camp. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that? Yeah, well, I, I'd been to the holiday camp myself and it was it was great it was it really was a very good holiday we were there for a fortnight 
and Mr and Mrs Farrah, who are on the front of the book, they were the ones who looked after us and they did a most amazing job. And we were in two separate dormitories. There was a blue dormitory for Protestants <laughs> and there was a, a red dormitory for Catholics. Wow. So we Catholics were all taken, I can't remember where we went, but we were all taken to church on a Sunday by Miss Farrah, who was Mr Farrah's sister. And there were helpers there as well. And they were all just very kind. And Mr. Farrah taught me to swim while I was there. And he wrote a letter to my mother, which I, I don't still have, unfortunately. And he says he taught me to swim as a thank you because I put on three pantomimes <laughs> while I was there. So obviously mm. I was already writing plays. Yeah. And it also it mentions in the book... Uh, sort of from the kind of historical perspective that a lot of the girls had worked in pantomimes mm. uh, during the winter season mm. which was interesting because I had as well mm. uh, my brother had taken me first of all for um, an interview to be or an audition to be a sunbeam they were the ones with the with the uh, fringes and the, the short hair they all had to have matching haircuts and I really wasn't a good enough dancer and I hadn't been doing it long. I was turned down for the sunbeams, but I was accepted as a Winstanley babe. So mm-hmm. I was on at the Grand Theatre mm-hmm. in pantomime. Wow. And that was quite a good experience as well. And we always, always had to be collected from the stage door. Mm. And my mother didn't come to collect us. I mean, by then my, my dad had died and I think she had enough on. So it was always one of my, one of my brothers or my sister who would come. And I was always the last kid to be sat at the stage door waiting while one of them came to get me. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've all had an experience of uh, parents. Well, brothers and sisters, yeah. All the brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you you drew on some of the research that you did um, for your, uh, is it um, one of your earlier novels, Sixpence in Her Shoe? That was um, based on the research you did for the holiday camp, I think. It partly was, because uh, they were coming... I was thinking about them round about the same time. Mm. But it was a slightly different starting point for Sixpence in Her Shoe. Because I'd met my... Well, I knew my godmother, but I hadn't seen her for a long time. And I saw my godmother, Evelyn. And she said that she was asked by my... She came round the houses and collected money for the church on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. And on one of the Friday nights she was there, um, my mother had said, would she be my godmother and just take me to the church? And she expected someone else to go with her. But it was just one of those things. They got it done and dusted and out of the way. So she turned up to collect me. And she she wasn't very old herself. And so she then carried me down to the church, to the cathedral, mm. and that's where I was baptised. And she said that she was quite anxious because she thought she might drop me. <laughs> and I thought, well, what if there was a young girl, well, a girl or a young woman like that, who was very attached to a child in her street, mm. and that child was in danger of being put in an orphanage. Mm. And so she decides to save her from that and take her away yeah and thought where would she take her well if she knew about the Lee's children's holiday camp and it was closed down for the season 
she could get on her bike and take mm. her there. So that was the starting point for that story. Yeah. And it just allowed me to use that wonderful location of yeah. Silverdale and also uh, Morecambe and the, yeah. you know, the wonderful hotel in Morecambe. Yeah. So that was, that was how I, and I kind of came to combine things. Yeah, I think I read um, in a, an interview that you did that your like the kind of your novels start maybe from an image an image that you get yes. of a person or a yeah. character yeah. in a situation mm. and then you kind of build out from that. Yes. But does I mean does your historical research usually inspire that or is it um, your life or where do those kind of situations usually spring from? Well, sometimes with the Kate Shackleton novels, I think where have I been that I would like to go back to? where haven't I been that mm. I would like to go to <laughs> so there's usually a few things as you, as you said there's usually a person or an idea or something like that mm. and then there's a place and then because I have the Kate Shackleton gang mm. um, of Kate and Mrs Sugden and Jim Sykes I would always have somebody to be doing the investigating mm-hmm. so it's that combination of um of place and events mm. and time and I always like to know what month it is what day it is mm. so that I know what would be going on in real life yeah and I suppose having I mean been born and brought up in Yorkshire and spent a lot of years here knowing the the county so well will help to kind of inform that um yeah kind of world building in a way because it's so I mean even the street names and um, I recognised, I mean, obviously the library in, mm. in Death of Van Averd Reader, which I read, but yeah, just all of the, the places were so well described and so kind of true to life. Um, but so your next um, library, the next library in your life was Compton Road on Hare Hills Lane. Mm. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your early library experiences there? And was it love at first sight or did it take a while for you to fall in love with books and libraries as a, a child? Well, we always had a lot of books in the house. My dad worked for Leeds Corporation, uh, as it was then called, in the salvage department. So Mm. he was an early recycler. Mm. And Mm. when people threw things away and they would end up the tip at um, Ashton Road, he would bring stuff back and he would bring books back as well. So we always had um, quite a good selection of books. People would often throw out complete volumes of of books and we would have those and I found my way up to the library it wasn't very far we lived on on an end house Dorset Avenue quite near Harold's Lane so it was Mm. a short walk up to Compton Road Library and I don't remember first going there but I do remember the atmosphere of the library and I remember that uh, there were these beautiful wooden tables and it had a certain smell. It had the mm. smell of the wood. It had the smell of the polish. And the, the children's library was on the right as you went in. And often they didn't have stuff in the children's library. You would just take it through to the grown-up library to be stamped. And so it was a private place. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, liked, I particularly liked some books. And I meant to look up the author. But there were the Just William books by Richmond Crompton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there were some books called 
that were just Jane. Mm. I don't know if you ever came across them. No. I must look up who the writer was because I always look for those books. Yeah. That was the first set of books I would look for. And they had red covers and I knew, you know, exactly where, where on the shelf they were. So I'd always go see if there was a new Just Jane book. <laughs> and also, uh, during the school holidays, we if it was fine, we would go off wandering about. We would go up to Gledale Valley Woods, little gangs of kids as it used to be. And if it wasn't fine, we would go up to the library and take um, a picnic because there would be nobody there. <laughs> the, the staff would always be in the in the other in the other room, so we'd just take um, a picnic. Our preference was to go in the library garden. Mm. That's where we would like to have our picnic. But if it was raining, we would go inside, where obviously you're not supposed to go. You're not supposed to take food. But it was like that was like an extension of our house, really. Yeah. Wow, that's wonderful. I know what you mean about the the atmosphere mm. being almost more memorable than the actual yeah. place. It's um, yeah, it's really true. It's almost like the air pressure drops. I think there's yes. that sense of kind yeah. of possibility and yeah. Um, and I mean, you've talked a bit about the Just William and Just Jane books, but were there any other books from that period that that uh, you loved or inspired you? Or what kind of gave you your foundation as a writer, really? Uh- I, there was a Ladybird series with a character, this is when I was a bit younger, with a character called Tasseltip Rabbit. Mm. And Tasseltip Rabbit had these long ears. And one of the, one of his, well, his main trick was that he could throw his hat in the air and catch it on his ear. So I was like Tasseltip Rabbit. And I also like comics. And I could read by the time I went to school mm. because my dad had read comics with me. We used to read the Beano. Mm. And I just thought he and I both liked the Beano. <laughs> that was what I thought. And there was a, a character called Pansy Potter, mm. Strongman's Daughter. And that was my favourite and it was his favourite as well, or so so he said. But we both liked Pansy Potter, Strongman's Daughter. So I would read comics and, and my brother got the eagle and we got the girl and we you know, we had all the all of the comics yeah, coming yeah, yeah. in. And just really um I we were taken we were taken from school to see a film called The Robe. Mm. And that was by Lloyd C. Douglas. So they were kind of approved books for Catholic children. <laughs> so I did read those. And then just anything, all sorts of things, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. I could lay my well, hands Well, I suppose that you say that you're, you've got these books that were secondhand and recycled. Yeah, yes. And I guess that's yeah. a really amazing introduction to literature because you're not, it's kind of really um, unbiased and you just get such oh, a yeah. different things that um, you would never usually there were, pick I mean, up. medical books are always interesting when you're young. You like to look at what bodies <laughs> are like, don't you? And then uh, another, a whole set of books that we had. It was called Butler's Lives of the Fathers, Martyrs and Other mm. Saints. And that was full of really gory stories <laughs> of... of, of uh, devout people being pressed to death yeah uh, and uh, uh, horrible things so you know I I did read I did read those (laughs) (laughs) which probably kind of gave me a fairly dark imagination yeah well then feeds into these kind of murder mystery novels that you now um right so when you were in 19 um you saw an advertisement in a window for a secretarial agency Mm. looking for girls to work in America 
Um, what can you tell me about your time working in US, in the US, in Washington DC and New York? Well, I, I think that was my real education mm. because uh, I would have left school at 15, but I left at 16 because I did shorthand and typing. Mm-hmm. I'd film 11 plus and it was a year, I don't know whether I would have passed or not, but my dad died when I was 10 mm. and I had a lot of other things on my mind yeah. than, than schoolwork. Yeah. And I always felt a little bit semi-detached from school. Mm. And I'm not sure why uh, I didn't do better than I did, but there we are. And those decisions were made quite early Mm. in your life. So the best thing that happened to me was being accepted on a a year's course to do shorthand typing because, you know, had skills will travel. I went up to Newcastle, stayed with some relatives uh, for six months. Um, I, I was liked it up there. And then just wandering about in my lunch hour and seeing this sign, I think it was Brook Street Bureau, uh, and I just applied. And um, it was, you know, it was great. The agency paid your fare, and then you paid it back when you got there. Mm. And you also paid back a fee to the Mm -hmm. agency when you got there. So they did quite well (laughs) out of it. and I just had really quite an enjoyable time. Yeah, um, it's so. I mean, I, I, it's such a brave thing to do as a nineteen-year-old to move halfway across the world. It must have been you don't realize, quite scary. You don't yeah, doing it when you when you're that when you're young, you just think, oh, I'll just go. Yeah, and uh, and I, I made some good friends. I, I worked at Thomas Cooks, and I made friends there which is quite fortunate because I think sometimes when you're young and you go work somewhere strange, you're mm. not always going to be fortunate enough mm. to meet people that are going to become your friends. Yeah. And so we did all the things that you could do in New York. You know, we went to, we went to the beach on the train, we went upstate, upstate and went skiing mm. and uh, went to the theatre Wow, you know, just it was it was an amazing experience. Yeah, and of um, course the libraries there. So New the York libraries. Public Library yes. was that yeah. one that you you visited frequently. Yes, it was. Yeah, I did go there, and uh, I I it's on Forty Second Street, and is it Forty Second and Fifth Avenue? And I one of my jobs was on Forty Second Street, so I just mm. would would go up there during my lunch hour. And there's a library in um, New York, I think, called the Lennox Library. Lennox collection or something mm-hmm. and there's a character in your book called Mr Lennox is that a connection there oh, or am I just <laughs> I mean sometimes these names pop up into yeah. my head and sometimes people say where do you get the names from and I can't always say where yeah. they come from but I wondered that when mm. I was researching I was like oh yeah. I wonder if that was um... have you been to the Lennox library then? no I no. haven't mm. I went to New York once when I was 11 and it was mm. just the most amazing oh, experience ever and I've been yeah. dying to to go yeah. back one day yes um so yeah and the, I would love to visit the New York Public Library because mm. I've seen pictures of it and it's huge oh it's, of, it's enormous yeah amazing yeah. and they have yeah. the archives there yes and, they do yeah, yeah it sounds fantastic and you still so you still go back to the U.S. fairly frequently I, I think. haven't been I haven't been mm. since you know over the last couple of years but well yeah for reasons but I did enjoy going back there, and um, there are various 
conventions that they have mm. that are quite quite good fun yeah so the um malice domestic conference in maryland and the i'm not sure how you pronounce this bucheron is that right oh, Bouchercon. 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 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i've mangled yeah. that in yeah. new orleans or yeah. new orleans um yeah. and your work has a, a really dedicated readership in the u.s um and also in, in it's available in german and russian i think is that well right? i'm not sure how dedicated yeah. it is, but there are a couple of books um, there but so yeah. how do you find the libraries in the literary culture differ in America from those in the UK? Well, uh, here we have uh, we have St Hilda's, um, which is a, a crime, mm-hmm. crime writing, crime reading weekend in Oxford. And I always enjoy that because it's not, it's not kind of in your face stuff. People aren't going there to promote their books. They're going mm. there to listen to talks or mm. give talks and chat to people. Yeah. And we also have um, Bristol Crime Fest where you have panels and so on. And I'd been on panels there and I chaired a panel there. And New York is a, a, a America's a, a little bit different. Mm. Malice Domestic. They have a, um, a dinner on the first night. And I, I, was, I was told about it by an American woman that I met in Bristol. And she said, oh, you'd, you'd like it. And they, they'd like you. And then the direction came that on the first night, it was nice if you could wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had a friend I was at school with who became a model. Mm. And uh, I thought, oh, she'll, she'll lend me a hat. So she, I, she lent me this little, little black hat. And I, um, so you sit at these big tables and, and just chat to everybody. And... I think they have a teapot as an award, mm. something like that as well. And it was just really quite quite fun and very enjoyable. And you get people coming from all over to come to yeah. Bethesda, to yeah. Miles Domestic. So I have missed being able to go back there. And of course now we're all meant not to go on planes. It's not that I was a very regular flyer or anything like that but now you think oh should I go anywhere at all really Mm. uh and New Orleans that was amazing I just was so delighted to go to New Orleans Mm. I was in this hotel where um I, I could see the river um and I was always a great fan of Paul Robeson mm-hmm. and you know that that uh, that song of his Old Man River mm-hmm. and so just kind of being there and seeing the river was um was amazing yeah. and, and I did uh, I did a tour to one of the plantation houses okay and I, I would like to go back there because I got off the bus too soon there were two plantation houses and there was a young black woman on the bus and she got off and I thought, where's she going? And then the bus went on and I found out later that the stop that she got off, mm. you saw more of the story mm. from the point of view of the people mm-hmm. who worked in the cotton fields. Mm. Whereas the one I went to, you saw, I think, it more from the point of the view of the people who own the cotton fields. Oh, okay. So if ever I go back, I would get off the yeah. bus at the stop yes. before. <laughs> and uh, I also um, I also went on um, a boat trip yeah. up the Mississippi and listened to a jazz band. Yeah, wow. 
Uh, and yeah, and New Orleans was... is—it's a really—it's quite a literary city, isn't it? I think um, Tennessee Williams lived there yes, for a long time. Yes, I went to the ha- I went to the the what was the house where he'd set cat on a hot tin roof? Oh wow! And it's now a shop. There was—I think they were selling bicycles. I was told they were selling bicycles. I didn't see any. They must have been out the back. Mm. There were lots of cards there, and. So that was that was great to actually go to the place that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. where Cat and a Hot Tin Roof yeah. would, be, would have been set. I'd love to go. And of course, like yeah, it has such an interesting history of the French kind of colonial... Yeah, amazing. That sounds mm. fantastic. Mm. Um, and did, I mean, would you ever write something set in the US, do you think? I don't think so. Mm. I, did th- I did actually chair um, a, a talk at Bristol where there was... A, a youngish writer who had set his book in America, and it was almost as if he had kind of done ventriloquism because mm. he got everything so very right. Mm-hmm. And I think he must have just have completely immersed himself in yeah. American writers to have kind of got that and to have been able to pull off that kind of trick. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't want to risk it. Yeah, because. Uh, I think there are enough pitfalls for you as a writer if you write about yeah, yeah, areas, yeah. you know, and voices and yeah. tones of voice that you know. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wouldn't want to take, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, well, and of course there's enough Americans really to oh, write American absolutely. novels, you know, there? Why would why would I write them? I did when I came back, I did write a novel about a girl who'd gone to New York. <laughs> So that would that would have been set in partly set in yeah. New York, and um, around around Central Park and various areas. And I yeah. haven't looked at it for years. It took two. It, I didn't know about agents. I didn't know about anything. Yeah. And it took two years to be turned down by four publishers. Mm. So uh, I just set it aside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it went on then to write all of these other fabulous novels. Yeah. Well, so. I think I think that's what you have to. What yeah. I had to do as a writer, I had to learn how to do it. Yeah. So I did sit down and write two novels to teach myself how to do it. Yeah. And then eventually, if you're fortunate, something clicks, yeah. something goes right. So that must have been around the time that you moved back to the UK and yes. you studied yeah. first at, at Ruskin College in Oxford and then and, and you were awarded a literature diploma. Um, and then you got an honours degree in history from history and English from mm. York University. So I guess, can you tell me a little bit about what influenced you during that period and the libraries that you visited? Obviously, mm. the um, the Bodleian Library is, is world yes. famous in Oxford. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you also mentioned the British Museum Reading mm. Rooms, Boston mm. Spa, mm. Keeley Local Libraries and the Mechanics Institute Library in Bradford. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great to go in those libraries because they are just such architectural wonders, mm. you know, the great dome ceilings and the sh- all, all the shelves and just everything being available. And when I was in Oxford, I was quite, I was quite interested in what was going on in the 17th century during mm-hmm. the English Civil War period. Mm. So I read some of the pamphlets um, and the levelers and the diggers and the political demands mm. that they were making and I also looked at some of the ballads I loved reading the old English ballads that are all about 
tragic love and doomed love. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so just sitting there doing doing lots of reading was was you know quite a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, and then... we've got of course the Reformation tracks up here oh, as well. Oh, have you? We had yes. to look at those. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're wonderful. And and then when I um oh I know what I read I I I can't I I read this book and I I wish I could remember the, its name and the author. But you know, when you're just reading lots of books, Arthur Conan Doyle always had mm. a good tip. He gave this tip to his wife, Jean. Whenever you read anything, write down when you read it, who wrote it, and a very short note of what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was absolutely right, but mm. you know, I didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this author, what he did was he looked at the failure of crops across Europe. Okay. And at bad, poor harvests, and he looked at the correlation between that and accusations of witchcraft, mm. and he discovered, and this was his thesis, that when the people who would normally give charity to poor women mm. or poor people were unable to give it, then they would feel guilty mm. and they would turn that around and they would make accusations. Wow. And I thought that fits because I'd been reading about the Pendle witches. Yeah. And Alison Device, she uh, she had been expecting to be given, I think it was a spinning wheel that she'd been expecting. Mm. And it didn't come, she wasn't given it. Mm. So she couldn't do what she'd planned to do. Mm. And then one day she goes out and she curses a peddler. Um, or he won't show her the ribbons probably because he knows she doesn't have any money. Mm. And the peddler then has what we would know was a stroke. Mm. But no, she admits that she, she cursed him. Mm. And I just thought that was quite extraordinary, yeah. you know, just that, the way that fitted. And so I went to, um, I went into the reading room at the British Library and I read an account um, by Thomas Potts. It wasn't a verbatim account from the time, but it was a very good account written from notes of mm. the transcript would you call it a transcript of an account of the trial and so that was really wonderful because I could hear the voices mm. you, you, you actually could I had the tone of the voices yeah and by then I'd, I'd been writing for something called Northern Drift mm-hmm. which was broadcast from a broadcasting house in Leeds by uh, Alfred Bradley who was the producer there? Mm-hmm. And he uh, he published. He brought out this little book. Okay. Of, we we all just contributed little stories, sketches, things like that. Nothing ambitious, but mm. things that would, when you're starting out writing, give you a real boost. Yeah. You know, you've done something. It's been on the radio, so, so and it's in a little book, and he's put one of your stories in uh, another book, which is this one. Okay. Well, yeah, loving couples. Okay. Um, and so I, I wrote a play mm. about about the Pendle Witches, and I had no idea. You know, I think it was my first time I wrote a play. Yeah. And it turned into a ninety-minute play for the Monday night slot on Radio Four, thanks to Alfred Bradley. 
and he was very helpful and he said to me you have far too many characters because I did I had mm. all of all of the witches all of the accusers probably half of Lancashire <laughs> uh, and he said can you do anything about that you know take some characters out and I, and I thought well no I can't really and I thought he's just being mean he doesn't want to pay more actors and then I realized he was absolutely right mm. because readers listeners can only keep a certain number of characters mm. in their head I can only keep a certain number characters in my head so that was quite a nice start to yeah writing plays yeah that's wonderful and I love well I, I mean I love actually all of the the characters in your work are mm. are so well drawn and and funny and varied and diverse mm. so I suppose I mean I don't know if that kind of ability to do that came from writing radio plays or having that kind of background in um, I guess, and yeah, histo- like turning your historical research mm. and interest into mm. kind of narrative stories. So, and of course, um, you then moved back to Leeds at some point and you've been mm. here for quite some time and a member of the Leeds Library um, in which you set one of your recent novels, mm. uh, Death of an Avid Reader. So can you tell us a bit about your relationship with the Leeds Library over the years? Um Yes, well, there was a, it was a kind of place that, you, that I thought it wasn't for people like me. You know, you still, you still, you know, whatever happens to you, whatever you manage to achieve, you're still that working class girl that isn't yeah. allowed in places. And so uh, I, I knew about it. And there was a piece in the Yorkshire Evening Post by Geoffrey Forster, who used to be the librarian here. And he said they were open to new members. I thought, oh, all right. So I came along mm-hmm. and I joined. And it's the most um, wonderful place, really, because there are all the books available. And there are, there are also, I think, possibilities to look at all sorts of things online that I haven't quite got to grips with yet, mm. but um, I will. I, I look at stuff online at home or in the libraries, but I haven't done it here yet. And also, another thing about it is, it is full of people who know things. <laughs> yes. So, uh, if you want to, uh, recently I've wanted to know about rhubarb. Rhubarb growing, triangle. Rhubarb triangle. I've wanted to know about where the rhubarb train set out from, uh-huh. because Wakefield, quite rightly now, seems to have taken the crown of being the queen or king of, of the rhubarb <laughs> triangle but it actually all started in Leeds yes so the rhubarb triangle is um Leeds is kind of basically situated in an area of the UK that's amazingly yes. uh, good for growing yeah. rhubarb I think yeah that's and so there is. are theories about how that came about uh-huh. and so I've been able to listen and read about all those theories I've been able to find out where the train left from mm-hmm. and uh what else? I, there are also people here who know about breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, Tetley's Brewery, Kirkstall Brewery. So when I wrote about breweries, I knew there'd be information there for me. And we have a, a member of the Leeds Library who knows how I might poison people <laughs> in different ways. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just everything is here. Yeah. Everything that you, you could want as a writer is here. And when I... When I wrote Death of an Avid Reader, what sparked me off there was the ghost. I mean, mm. how could you not write about 
the ghost in, yeah. the, in a library. And once that idea is there, then all the other characters come in. Yeah. And I was able to look back through the records of the library and see who was here and what they were saying and what they were doing. And there was one woman here who was very active and there's, there's always someone, in a, say in a workplace, who will be the one that goes around and takes the collection if you have to send flowers to someone or send a card or something. Mm-hmm. She was obviously that sort of woman. And she stood, she stood for the committee or she stood to be secretary, she stood for some position and she didn't get in. And I always felt that was terrible mm. that she wasn't, she wasn't allowed to go as far as she wanted to, yeah. as far as be her position in the library. So I did actually put her in the book and, you know, make sure she had a fair run at things this time. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I so, it was amazing to kind of mm-hmm. see the library brought to life. And I don't know if you've ever um, been in the Leeds Library basement, listeners, but oh, I, if you read this book, I went. I went if you read this there. book, you won't yeah. want to. <laughs> I, uh, I went down there to see what it was like yeah. and what the other way in would be. You know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the back of the library, and also just to see, you know, where where the body would be. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's very creepy. But actually, what what surprised me about it was that it was so funny, and all your mm. characters are, are really funny, and you've got this amazing kind of dry humour in mm. in like the portraying mm. the kind of yeah. the weird oddities of the way people speak, yeah. um, and in quite a kind of. Uh, yeah, humane way as well. Like it's mm. never poking fun at people, mm. but it's these kind of stereotypes, or not stereotypes, but kind of caricatures, or mm. you know, these characters that you can so yeah. see walking around Leeds, mm. and you can so kind of recognise from yeah. everyday life. I think there's a couple of sources for that, uh, and I think this might also be why I failed my eleven plus. We also ha- we always had a house full of people. Yes. Uh, there were always people coming in. My brothers knew some Armenians. They knew they, um, we had, you know, we had interracial visitors before mm. other people did, um, and there were always stories going on. So you mm. had to be able to tell a story. You had to be a little bit amusing, mm. uh, and if you do that, then it gives an approach to what you say, what you do, how you think, mm-hmm. and it you don't necessarily fit the pattern of passing an 11 plus yes (laughs) so (laughs) so um yeah yeah I think that's a wonderful like you said this obviously the books here are an amazing resource but actually the people here and the people who are are members my gosh and that's been one of the kind of the great joys of this podcast is even where Headingley where where my character Kate Shackleton lives Mm. Um, we have somebody who's an expert on Headingley. Yeah. So uh, that saved me once from making a mistake by yeah. talking to her. You know, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. And yeah. you have um, so many great women characters in mm. your books. And I, yeah, that I mean, almost all of the kind of main characters are women. And I love the dynamic between Kate Shackleton and her housekeeper. Yes. I think that's just wonderful. It's changed over the books as well. Yeah. I noticed because. I was quite surprised when I looked back at Dying in the Wall to see that Mrs. Sugden was calling Kate Madam. <laughs> she wouldn't call her yeah. that now. Yeah, and it's I remember... It's much more equal. It's wonderful kind of like back and forth mm, kind mm. of um, banter or arguing mm. or whatever. It's mm. just really, really um, funny and humorous yeah. and quite light. Um, 
and I was wondering, I mean, I guess what, um, are there any kind of women characters or people that have inspired you in, in your life? Oh, do you know who comes into my mind first? Mm. Scarlett O'Hara. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, the opening of, yeah. of that book. Scarlett O'Hara was not beautiful. But men seldom notice this when mm. captivated, captivated by her charm. Mm. It's someone like that, isn't it? It's someone yeah. who's like a little bit sort yeah, of yeah, larger yeah. than life. Yeah, and you were saying that kind of, I guess, this all this historical research and, and ballads and I guess, I mean, maybe just folklore or yes. myths play a part yeah. in... Um, I think so. I think it's all that. I think everything that you've ever read, Mm. everybody that you've ever talked to, Mm. everything that you've ever seen, if you're fortunate, it kind of pops up at the right moment in in the writing. It was interesting because I've I've been reading lots of, well, I've read one book of kind of Yorkshire myths and fairy tales and things, Mm -hmm. and there was one in which this... um, I don't want to give too many of your, the plot points away, but mm. this one um, orphan, uh, beggar's orphan, is like given to a knight and then goes to Scarborough um, and is brought up. And there's kind of some um, uh, similarities between one of the characters in your books, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know if that, I mean, I don't know if it's intentional, but I just mm. thought it was, it was so interesting that all of these things mm. blended together and they seem so kind of mm. realistic. So, uh, lastly, I wanted to ask you if you have um, any upcoming projects uh, you'd like listeners to know about. October the 28th, A Murder Inside. And this is um, a departure from Kate Shackleton. Yeah. I have um, a prison governor as my central character. Mm. And the story is set in an open prison for women set in Yorkshire wow in the 1960s wonderful and you've got this um wonderful uh cover illustrations actually Mm. you always have those and they're Mm. really striking and kind of eye-catching wonderful wow this looks very exciting so you can pre-order that now um and it will be available the 28th of October 2021 a murder inside Francis thank you so much for talking to us this has been really really interesting um really enjoyable conversation it's been a pleasure and it's lovely to come in this room yes it's a wonderful setting to record in actually (laughs) the the librarian's room is that what you call it the old librarian's office yes and the old librarian's office this is the table that was this is older than the library actually this table it was given to the the society as it was before there was actually a building so yeah thank you (laughs) wonderful thank you so much this has been a podcast from the leeds library links to more information about our guests and any works talked about can be found in the description if you'd like to find out more about the leeds library and any of our upcoming events please visit our website at www.theleedslibrary.org.uk or you can follow us on twitter instagram or facebook at the leeds library thank you for listening and keep your eyes and ears peeled for more tales from the Leeds Library in our future episodes released every Wednesday.